Expat Career Coaching is an excellent way to effectively strategize and plan for transitioning your higher education career expertise abroad. If you are a higher ed professional looking to do this, you should work with Rose Apple Global. Carla Frazier, who's the brain behind the brand, is a seasoned higher education pro extraordinaire who has worked around the world and knows what it takes to help her clients find the right international career pathways. After working with Carla, you will be equipped for your upcoming transition and future job searches in the international higher education market. So if you're a higher ed professional who needs expat coaching, connect with Rose Apple Global at roseappleglobal.com. And here's the best part. You can get 10% off an individual coaching service if you book by March 31st. Just mention the Global Chatter Podcast sent you. I'm going to imagine that if you were to work with Adrienne Waller and have her as a mentor, coach, or even a supporter, she'd be authentic, genuine, humorous, and a bit no-nonsense. And to be fair, I'm not talking from experience as a client, but after hearing her tell her story, that's the conclusion I've decided on. Adrienne is a native from Metro Detroit, whose career has taken her around the world, including Qatar, China, and Kuwait, as an educational administrator. She's also the owner of Worldwide Educator, an education consulting company focused on empowering educators to own their instructional genius while activating students. And while she may currently be in the Cayman Islands, her chosen path hasn't been a smooth ride. In fact, far from it. But Adrian has no problem being honest about the struggle she has faced if it will help others who are trying to chase their expat dreams. In this episode, Adrian shares the moment she knew she had to make some changes in her own life, including moving abroad. She discusses her experiences of managing a layoff from her international job in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic and how she chose to pivot when her dream job disappeared. She also demonstrates how the challenges have made her a better coach for her education clients. As Adrian mentions in this episode, those challenges have been part of her story. And while she wouldn't have chosen them, she doesn't regret what they've taught her. Welcome to the Global Chatter. Obviously, from listening to you, I, you know, people can tell you're American. You know, I like having different accents on here because people can try to figure out where everybody is. And every now and then I get someone where they're like, I have, I have no idea where they're from. But where'd you grow up in the States? I'm originally from Metro Detroit. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm from Michigan. I love home and the U.S. throws so much salt at home. that I think I have like that extra pride. So like now everybody has somebody versus everybody. It started in Detroit. It was Detroit versus everybody. And I feel like that's a mentality we have. So like my first move abroad, that's the shirt I wore. Like I was like, as like <laughs> as an educator, I was like, look, y'all going to see this. I bring Detroit with me everywhere I go. So that's where I'm from. Now, were you born and raised in Michigan or did you live in other places in the States? Like, or is that where you were for most of your childhood and teenage years? Most of my childhood was in Michigan, but my mom did uproot us and we moved to Germany for a bit of time. And so wow. at, at five, I I went abroad. And so I feel like 
my veins have been pumped with like that idea of living abroad. I still consider myself not to the same degree, but a third culture kid having yeah. had like that experience uh, very early. My brother yeah. was born in Germany. So like, wow. you know, like very young, like we were, I remember going up the Eiffel Tower with my grandmother, you know, like things like that. I remember my birthdays in Germany and a kid running through a glass window. Like I, I have these like very distinct memories of, having a life outside of America. And I would almost say it was um, traumatizing as a child when I first got back because I went from Germany, which you think of race relations. Yeah. I didn't have what people would think of as like a, an experience in Germany. And then I came back. And although Detroit is super black, some of the most segregated cities are really close to Detroit. So when I got back, I yeah. experienced some of the worst racism in my whole life at seven. And so yeah. like that was almost like, wait, what? I can leave and go to a country that's not mine and be accepted, loved, doing, appreciated. And then I come home. Yeah. And you putting rocks and snowballs and throwing them at me because I'm black. Like yeah. that just that was difficult for me. Uh-huh. Cause I ain't talking to you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Siri. <laughs> I don't want to say the name if you I think that's really funny. I might keep it at if you didn't hear if you didn't hear her AI in the back, I don't want to say the name of mine because if I say her, she gonna also um uh, respond. Uh -huh. That's uh -huh. why I changed her name on because I got that one too. I changed her name because I got sick of her. So I could talk about her because I ain't gonna say it. So she yours don't hear. I changed it to uh Echo so that she didn't respond to her name. So I can talk about her. Is she, she not listening? Mm -hmm. And I got mine. If y'all don't know what we're talking about, it's all good. Amazon has a device that, you know, will respond to you. Mine is, I, both of them are next to TVs. And whenever someone on the show, uh, on the show says the name, she waits. <laughs> the funny thing is, when I first got it, my mom was mad that hers wasn't responding, but she was calling her Alexis. I said, how you gonna black? How you gonna make her black, mama? That's like, really funny. And she was mad. <laughs> Alexis, Alexis. I'm like, ma. Her name is Alexa. No, no, that's <laughs> sorry. That is a real black thing. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's really I, funny. I was like, how you just go rename her? I'll go, and and then you know Kanye didn't help stuff when he had all falls down. And it, <laughs> if y'all don't get, if y'all if I've lost you, we're coming back. But I, this is a special segment <laughs> right now. That's very very cultural. You know what though? You said something. I don't think I've had very many people on the show have kind of your experience and they've, they've all have moving experiences and TCK experiences, but actually moving your TCK experience, you're right. At a really young age, which many of the people have it at a young age, but returning. So like going abroad and coming back like those elementary years and the young elementary years. So you haven't even hit middle school yet. I mean, I, I would imagine, and I don't know when you lived in Germany, but I would imagine just like you said, culturally, politically, racially, things are probably really jarring to you when you're coming back from from being in Europe that has a little bit of a different perspective, obviously, because of a different history. Yeah. So it was right after the Berlin Wall. So we went over there because of the falling of the Berlin Wall. I love that. Mm. My mom worked for the U.S. Army. Mm. And was going to, I don't actually really know, but she was going to yeah. do stuff. And, you know, I was That's a kid. Yeah. And so um, we anticipated that that trans, not we, the U.S. government anticipated that transition to be longer. So we were thinking we were going to be there five to seven years. It went really smoothly from 
what I remember as a child. And so we were back in two. So I was there yeah. from the age of five to seven. And so the early 90s and early 90s Metro Detroit, you know, you're just getting off of the crack epidemic. You're just getting yeah. off of like race riots that, you know, like yeah. went through Detroit. Not just, but like these are things that are kind of like yeah, things that are still in our very recent, you know, history of Detroit and coming back and where we lived was really close to my mom's job, which is a um, an army, like not a base, but like it was a whole little compound type of thing that she worked at. And so when we first got back, we were living in a hotel until my mom, till we found a place. And so those six months in that hotel coming back as, like I said, a very young child. And because of all the movement, I was also really behind in English and like specifically, like I, I struggled as a reader. And so having moved at five and then again at uh, seven, and then we even moved once while I was in Germany. So you're talking about like an annual move. Yeah was quite difficult and I already like reading didn't come easy to me. I didn't understand it. I was like, stop telling me you got a rule and then you're going to change the rule. Like, right. What's that's right. not a rule. That's a kind of, maybe it happens. And that didn't work for me in math. So I kind of dove into math. So I was also struggling in school. So to go through coming back, going to this very white place and it was a poor white place. So my mom was not poor. You know, my mom retired six figures, you know, college educated her mama college educated so like and then you drop me into this area with you know low-income white folks who aren't used to black people aren't used to educated black people and then mm -hmm. I'm struggling so like <clears throat> and teachers didn't even know how to address my mom it, it was just it was a very people toss around the word traumatic I'm not going to call it traumatic but it was definitely a large adjustment but yeah the, but all of that and then like constantly kind of pulling myself out of like I'm a struggling reader, which if you're a struggling reader in elementary school, you're a struggling student. Right. That's not just yeah. reading. It's like you you can't do nothing. Well, I actually right. could and I actually was bright, but that was difficult for me. So from like returning back mid-year in second grade until ninth grade, I was always on this kind of like pulling myself up as a student. And so like as an educator, I can very much relate to my students who have had any type of shared experience. So, wow. I mean, I feel like there's so much that to, <laughs> to kind of unpack there. Um, and I mean, and you've already kind of give away if they read the, listen to the intro, they already know that you're an educator and, and I can absolutely see how this has impacted kind of how you approach education. Um, with that being said, did you stay in Michigan for college or university or did you go somewhere else? So I swore I was going somewhere else, y'all. I really did. I mean, everyone <laughs> says that. <I'm> like, <laughs> yeah. So I said I was going somewhere else and um, Michigan just sold me. Like, if I'm honest, I wanted to go to FAMU and I applied there first. Now, mind you, when I'm applying, graduating from high school, this is around when places are starting to have digital applications, but clearly that HBCU did not. And so first place I applied to, last one to respond, responded with, Adrian Walker, which just has, it bothers me because that's not my name. My name is Waller. Um, right. And it was a bill. And then on the other side, you had University of Michigan. James Earl Jones sent me a video taking me around the campus. It was still a VHS show, that big old, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, sent me all this, like, welcome stuff, you know, bumper stickers for the car. And I remember my mom, she went to Bowie State, and she mm -hmm. had taken me to her school. And I was like, oh this is like the backyard. Like, no, I'm not going here. 
And the one thing she said to me is that when she was in college, she had to go to Maryland to like take some of the classes she wanted. And so one thing she said is like, you do what you want, but you fly down in there to Florida. I'm not sending you care packages. I may not visit. That was, <laughs> that was what my mama was like. So do what you want, but I'm giving you the parameters. And don't think I'm going to be flying you back for every holiday either. You're going to be on your own. That was one. <laughs> Two. Look at what they done sent you already. It's a bill. It's not even a thank you, nothing. And then come to find out, I should have had a full ride scholarship. She's like, look at how they doing stuff. And then she said, in three, you're still not 100% sure what you want to do. If you decide not to do this pharmacy stuff, <clears throat> she was right. Uh, right. What are you going to do and are they going to be marketable? And so... I had to sit back and as much as I, my prideful 12th grade self didn't want to listen to my mama, I knew she was right. And so I went to Michigan, which allowed me to go to South Africa, which allowed me yeah. to join my sorority, which allowed me to take classes like sex and sociology, like all types of things that I just knew. In hindsight, I, I appreciate it. I love HBCUs. I encourage people to go to them, but I think I needed Michigan because I needed to be around black people who had similar experiences to me. Cause mm -hmm. I, I also was like still trying to figure me out and like the self that like identity shift of like being a proud black woman that happened. Mm -hmm. I think so many people, so many like people who are now are like peers, but at the time were like mentors for yeah. their encouragement of like me and like pouring into me and like celebrating Adrian. You know, I've had a number of people on the show, um, particularly black folks who have, mention their study abroad experiences. And I and I always like to bring those back up and, and circle back around because there are folks who, you know, who listen to the show, who who they themselves haven't traveled. They may have a child of color, right? And and I have been in a position where I've had to talk to parents about it's okay to send your kids abroad. Now, yes, we we have talked about your early years where you were in Germany and you were super young, but also Germany and South Africa are very different experiences. And, and as a African-American, as an African-American woman, I, I would imagine that may have been one of your earliest experiences going to Africa. And then, of course, South Africa has very, very complicated history. So what made you want to go to South Africa? Where did you study? And, and what were sort of your experiences living there as a young person? So as a caveat, I actually didn't do study abroad. I did research abroad. So I was actually paid to go to South Africa. I didn't have to pay. It wasn't a course I paid for. They nice. paid me. They paid for my housing. They paid for some trips. And I got a stipend on top of all of that. So I feel like this is foreshadowing to her career later down the road. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. <laughs> go uh, ahead. <laughs> and I just like to say it like that because study abroad really wasn't an option for me. I didn't have the finances for it. So yeah. doing a program like this, not only allowed me to not lose money. It actually was a come up. Like it was like, oh, yeah. I got a little bit of money. So I like to put that out there because there are more options than just study abroad in your college time to kind of mm -hmm. go and do that. And so I applied to a program because at the time I told you I was still in this medical thing yeah. that I was going to do. And so I applied to a program and I only applied to the places that had black people. So I applied to like the <laughs> Jamaican site and the South African site. Cause I was at Michigan. I was like, and I was, I was really active in like black things. So I was a, 
I ended up being the speaker of the Black Student Union. And like mm-hmm. that was I was in a black sorority. Like mm-hmm. I was a minority peer advisor. Like I lived a like mm-hmm. pro-black fist yes. us all day type <laughs> yes. of life. I was like, why would I go to these white places? Like I'm not doing it. And then I applied to Ghana as well. So like and then they had like two other places. I said, no, I'm going with people who look like me. Ended up they kind of put you somewhere. So, but I was happy that project really fit me and I was doing research on youth violence and so we did work with University of KwaZulu-Natal so I was in Durban Mm -hmm. and did work with them did have a student ID there but that like I spent I went to work like I went into an office a nonprofit, and it was a reality check because then they have a large so Durban is very unique in South Africa because they have a very large Indian population there so it's the largest population of Indians outside of India and so Mm. and then you have a lot of colors and then you got black and white people so at my job I'm seeing all these people I'm from Detroit y'all Detroit is black you know like Mm -hmm. and then I went to Michigan and as diverse as it is it's pretty white so like this was really a real melt it felt really melt melting pot ish and so that was really cool and but they operated different I remember they're like the meeting starts at 10 10, 15 people are coming in with asking me, do I want tea? And I'm like, no, I want the meeting to start. <laughs> like, like, what are we doing? Um, but then I also like spent time in townships and like went to a birthday party while I was there and helped with a community, like built, like help developing a community garden, doing more than just like the research on youth violence, but actually having conversations with the kids. Cause we did it with partnership with a couple of the township schools it just really reignited this love for like the world. And I think mm. you know, that started really early, like, like I said, at five, it reignited like seeing the world and like, there's so much out there that I don't know about. And I still feel that way. There's so much out there that I don't know about that I still want to see. So I-, I love that. It was three months. It was a great three months. I dated while I was there. Not well, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right. You know, I I wonder for you, too, like that was probably the first country you were living in at the time where you I mean, yes, you're American, but you weren't the minority. Is that? Yeah. So that was not only was I not the minority, like a lot of times people say, like, if you go somewhere, they can tell you're not their black, but they couldn't tell. Like, especially when I got my twist in my head and they would get mad at me. Like, even (laughs) when they heard my accent, they'd be like, Mama, why do you not speak easy Zulu? I don't know that language. Like, I don't. (laughs) Right. You know, and I had a notebook and I was trying. And so then that sometimes made it worse because I learned how to, like, do the beginning of a conversation. Like, hi, how are you? Like, Sunny Bona and like things like that. And like, because they, oh, how are you? And I knew how to respond. But then, like, two more sentences of, I, I don't know what we're talking about. And they would be mad. And so to the point where they, like, gave me an Isi Zulu name and, like, gave me a surname. It was like, no, mama, if you don't know where you're from, you from here. Like, we claiming you type of thing. And it was, it was a lovely thing. And so, like, joining a poetry circle there was really affirming because everywhere I went, I looked and it was people who looked like me. But the sad thing was they weren't always doing all the things like Detroit, very black as well. You had people at all rank. You had the poor, the gutter, but you also had people who were mayor and everything in between, like, all you know, CEOs, things like that. I didn't yeah. always see that in the same number. Yeah. You know, there, which is actually in a lot of places has been kind of 
difficult to see it, a range of Black identities and not just like monolithic Black identities. That's fair. That's fair. And I, you know, I think given both of our experiences, when we start throwing class, politics, history, colonialism, <laughs> education, that 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 into the mix <laughs> probably gives an idea as to maybe why we don't see as much, even though we might be in black and brown countries. And so I, here's the thing that I'm very fascinated by. So you were in South Africa and, and obviously having been in Germany, there's the bug to travel. There's a bug for education. You were on the science med track. At what point did you get off it? Because <laughs> you got off it. <laughs> so rewind. I've always known I wanted to be an educator and I was convinced that I could do better. And that all has to do with like just U.S. viewpoints on educators and who they are and their value, both in how we pay them, but how we, you know, present them in the media. So I decided I'm going to use my intelligence to do something better. And when I got to January, senior year of college, and you're looking for jobs, yeah. I was like, do I really want a job in the, no, mm -mm, I don't, <laughs> I don't want a job in the medical field. So I actually did AmeriCorps as a year of trying to figure it out. And I Me did it too. Really? I did it, I did it twice, girl. Yes. This is, these are fun facts with Amanda. Every time someone <laughs> says something, here's a new fun fact. Me too. No, <laughs> that should that should be a segment. It should <laughs> fun be. Fun facts with Amanda, stuff you didn't know. Yeah. Anyway, where, where'd you do and where'd you go? So I moved to D.C., which is where my mom is from. So that's just as another caveat to like the complexity of Adrian. My mom's not from Michigan. My dad's not from Michigan. And so we spent holidays always traveling, even if it wasn't out of the U.S. So in the U.S., as everybody, or you should know, it's like very diverse within the United States. So like yeah. leaving Detroit and then going to DC, leaving Detroit and going to Texas, those are very different like experiences. So I, I don't think it ever left me in terms of like travel and movement. It just looked yeah. different. Um, so I went to DC and I stayed with my grandparents cause I was working for America y'all. I ain't make no money. So, <laughs> and I was born in, and I was born in DC. So I'm sitting here like this whole thing. <laughs> I'm like, did we? Were and, we in the And I no. think we were in Qatar at the same time too, but that's a whole nother Which conversation. Like I was like <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. So you were in DC working for AmeriCorps. And and for those of you who are listening, it is a national program, volunteer service. It's a great way to give back to the community, all kinds of programs, and get a stipend depending on what you're doing and get great skills. And it's for all ages. Okay. So that's the short of AmeriCorps. Yes. So you were in DC. Yeah. And I was working at a nonprofit that worked with D.C. public schools, specifically around parental involvement. Mm. Now, this was a great segue because remember that research I told you I did in South Africa was on youth violence. But it was specifically my my research topic was the family and youth violence, because there's something gotcha. about I've always felt like my family was super supportive. And I've always felt like that's made the biggest difference in my life is like how like go hard for Adrian, go hard for your family, my family is, that it's always been kind of intriguing to me, particularly because I've had these experiences where people have thought of my family as doing that for them. And I'm like, mm. you ain't even family. And I, I started to realize like, <laughs> that's just how we roll. And so it's always been important to me. So like doing this like parental invo involvement and engagement was a great segue and ended up, because AmeriCorps is just very interesting, I was doing AmeriCorps Vista specifically. So this is supposed to be your like more corporate stuff. So it gave you a lot of experience in like 
jobs that when I was applying, they kept saying you needed all this experience. I'm like, how do I get experience? And I'm a college student. Like, right. You know, and I didn't do study abroad. Like I I did all these other things that I thought were great things, but I come to find out I should have been working a job every summer. (laughs) So AmeriCorps allowed me to not have to work, have done that and get experience. And as I worked with teachers on a program called Literacy Through Photography, as I worked with parents around parental engagement and how to like continuously be the educator of their child, I knew that I couldn't run anymore from education. So I actually did Chicago Teaching Fellow. So I'm an alternative mm-hmm. certification teacher. I didn't do the traditional route and moved to Chicago to be closer to home without being home. Mm-hmm. And that was like my, okay, I'm, I'm going to be an educator and never look back. Well, that's not true. <laughs> she's like i did look back a couple i did that's actually what took me abroad was looking back was like i don't know maybe this ain't for me anymore <laughs> and so that is a great segue we're gonna take a break and we're gonna we're gonna pick up this career of yours because this career has been around the planet and including where you are right now and i want to talk about that after the break so we'll be back Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right. So if we were listening right before the break, Adrian was getting into her transition into education and, you know, big spoiler, this this career is going to end up taking her around the planet. So, Adrian, kind of tell me, you know, what I'm curious is, first of all, what what form of education did you get into? Like what level, what grade level, what were you teaching or counseling or administering? And then you know, how long were you teaching in the States before you made this decision to go abroad? So, like I said, I moved to Chicago through Chicago Teaching Fellows and I was to be a special education teacher, but just how life ended up happening. I got the training, but never actually practiced as a full-time um, special educator. Um, and But I was in elementary education. So I taught first through fifth grade. Mm-hmm. And my father, just as a kind of side note, my father died in 2013 and that talk about life resets when a parent dies unexpectedly, um, like in a, he was in a boating accident, don't need to go into the details, but like that really made me just start rethinking like how I was living because it made me realize how short life was and things yeah. like that. And I also realized my mom needed a bit of support. So I came back home, lived home. Couldn't do that forever because, you know, I love yeah. my mom, but we do much better in separate households. Yeah, that's fair. But it was a great, it was a great time. But I also, like, before my dad died, he was the only person I had talked to about leaving education because I was becoming disenchanted with it. But 
after he died, I went through kind of a, a mini depression and it, I couldn't really, it wasn't a time to change fields. I came back home, like, I'm just going to stick with this. But then while I was teaching and like team lead for my like first grade team, we were at a team lead, like Christmas retreat dinner thing. And people started talking about educators who teach abroad. And I was like, oof, I, maybe that'll help me. Cause I don't know if this is for me anymore. Maybe if I change it up, I can see if it still is. And at least I'll get to go somewhere different. So I hadn't even known about it. So like, I was like, okay, sure. I'll look into this. And then next thing you know, I'm just uh, putting up profiles. Don't know what I'm doing. Half filled out the profile, getting interviews. And then a school from Qatar reaches out. Mind you, I didn't know Qatar was a country. Like many people. Right. And this also, oh, that's part of the UAE. Er, wrong. Wrong. <laughs> Someone said that to me the other day and I went, no, it's actually, it's its own country. It's its own country. <laughs> mind you. Then I was like, oh, I'm going to a third world country. No, you're going to the richest country in the world. Right. <laughs> Just all, all of the wrongs, all of the wrongs. Um, And so I went to Qatar um, to teach at a British curriculum school which was different. I was teaching year three, which is equivalent to second grade. And when I tell you that school was raggedy, that school was raggedy. (laughs) I'm not sure this is where I thought it was going. Okay. (laughs) It was, but I needed that raggedy school. So like, as I like work with educators and talk to them, I remind them like the glitz and the glamour of these best um, international schools aren't for everybody and not for everybody, depending on what you want and you need. Like that raggedy school that was in some old villas that, the bus that took us to school was a van that sometimes did barely worked. <laughs> you know, I needed that because it allowed me to see my leadership skills, my ability to like support and guide other educators um, into like greatness. And so like from there, I went into like director of professional development and the career just kept growing. But in hindsight, being at that school that didn't have stuff together and being able to help them get stuff together. Cause I was like, y'all raggedy. Like, <laughs> why don't you have a book fair? Scholastic is international. We gonna get a book fair going on. Why don't y'all have a parent group? I'm gonna start a PTO. Why don't you have a schedule for who's on duty? So these kids are supervised. <laughs> I'm going to do that. Like, so I literally just started doing. And I, okay. So I got, I got two questions. One, I think it's a shorter <laughs> answer than the other. How long were you an educator in the U.S. before you made the transition? I forgot you asked me that. I was in Chicago for seven, Detroit for two, so a total of nine. So this was my decade year when I decided to go abroad. And 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 look, I've known people who they've been in as long as you before they went abroad, and folks who are in shorter. So this could this is mm-hmm. whatever your story and your destiny is. Um, I I appreciate the fact that you <laughs> mentioned that this wasn't the glitziest and the glamiest of schools, right? But, but, and I think this is a theme in your life, it seems that you find and identify opportunity and you make it better and, and you grow from it and you leverage it, right? Because I, I'm, there are plenty of people who would be like, oh, this school doesn't have anything. It's not like, well, we know the international schools insert this international school where they've got this at whatever. But it seems like for you, you use it as a growing experience and probably a launching pad for for what you've taken with yourself in your career around the world. Oh, most definitely. Now, 
in full disclosure and transparency, that first three months, I was not in that space. I was angry. <laughs> I emailed, like, how y'all gonna put me at, how you gonna let this school even, like, I was angry. I, I was, I was, I was upset. I told them about themselves. I was crying. <laughs> but once I gave up, so the, uh, the other thing is, I think that I didn't realize I was doing is I was trying to make my whole experience a duplicate of what I had, but that's why I left. Like I wasn't happy. Well, I'm not going to say I wasn't happy. I had issues with what was going on in my life in America and wanted to experience something different. But when I got to experience something different, I wanted to critique why it was different. And I had mm. to check myself on that. I had to say, oh, it's different and you can't pick what part of difference you want. You can't be happy that you have privilege as a black woman for the first time, but not also be okay with the fact that you can't buy black hair care products. Like you can't want everything. Like you can't get everything. And you got to start to see the greatness in what you have been given, the opportunity that you have been given. And so now like when people ask me, what's your favorite place out of all these places you've lived? I go, I like, all but one, and we can talk about that later for different reasons. And even the one that I didn't like and I would never go back to, I still know the growth, the development, and the improvement of Adrian that happened in that space. And so, but each one has offered me something different. What China offered me are things Qatar could never offer. And what Qatar offered me, China could never offer me. So I love them both for what they gave me. And the same for South Africa. And now the Cayman, like each one has something that, I mean, if I wrote it, I wouldn't write it that way, you know, but right, right. I enjoy it because of all the the beauty that comes along with it as well. Man, I appreciate you just putting your finger in the middle of the sore and just, I know that's like a really gross analogy, but actually saying in terms of, I can't say I want different and then get different and then push back against different and try to recreate what I left when I said I wanted different. I think that that is such a struggle with especially some of the the newer expats that maybe I come across where it's, well, I wanted to be like, and I, I let me pick on Americans because that's what we know most intimately. <laughs> We're also really good about being loud about that. <laughs> so let me not, I can't, I'm not going to talk about anybody else. <laughs> you know, just talk about what you know. And this idea of, well, I'm leaving here, but I want to get this. Like, I literally got an email. I, my emails are always hot trash because people are always asking me random questions. But I got a message yesterday where someone's like, well, I want this, 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 and this, and this. And I'm like, that is a grocery list. You want the best parts of where you are in a different location. Oh, wait, I meet with clients who want that. Plus, they go tell you which locations they want. And I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> You want to have 15 requirements and a requirement in regions of the world that regions don't even offer with. So like it (laughs) was a free consultation call. And I was just like, I don't care if I ever work with this person again, because uh, you got too many wants that aren't realistic. And you're already there's things you're working against as well, because each of us has something that's working against us. Right. Like like Mm. every client that I talk to, like as many as I think I have tons of great things. There's something that doesn't work in my favor, depending on where I want to go, you know, um, and owning it just like I told a client, the client I talked to this morning before this is she has all these different ESL qualifications as well as something, you know, like some train the trainer. And I told her, I said, those are great, but no, the whole world isn't going to accept that. And I said, I'm, mm. I'm, you know, black woman, a black woman. I think that is great and amazing. 
but you're mm-hmm. not going to even you're not going to be able to come here because K-Man wants full fledged teaching degrees. And most of the Middle East want full fledged teaching degrees and that like English as a second language don't exist to them. Like and so but that's OK, because there's somewhere in the world that they're like, come through, sis, we want you and we'll yeah. pay you and we'll support you. So like keeping your options open, some people are like, I want to go to this country. And I'm like, how you pick that country? Like everybody want to go to Portugal and I'm not knocking Portugal, but yeah. educators, that's probably not your best place to look in terms of wanting competitive yeah. salary, wanting things that are going to feed into you in a certain way. They don't, they're not trying to have, it's not a bunch of international schools. So like being mindful of like what you want, you may have to be open to going somewhere different. Like I had to open up and say, I'll go to China. I ain't want to go. I was like, "Mm -mm, mm -mm." they don't like black people. Mm -mm, I ain't going there. Like all wrong, all messed up. But yeah, I mean, let's, let's be, let's dig a little bit deeper. I think you, from what I'm hearing, and if we take that first experience in Qatar, and I'm sure that was a complete cultural shift. Many of y'all have listened to the show before know that I have also lived in in Doha. And so both you and I have traveled to different places. We've seen different things. And I'm sure it was still like, this is unlike any, like for me anyway, living in Qatar overwhelmingly was unlike I, anywhere else I had lived. Um just because cultural cultures are different, right? So you adjust to that. But, you know, early on in, in even your response, you talked about y- you had to get to a place. Now, I'm, and I'm glad you're very transparent that the first three months <laughs> you were like, I wasn't at that place. I sound like I'm at that place now, <laughs> but but I was kicking, screaming with snot coming out of my nose to get to that place. What are you really finding, like, especially, and I, and I want to throw this back because I would imagine, and if people don't know, you are a consultant and you've got a brand that we're going to talk about in a moment. What are you finding are the biggest obstacles to people even planning for finding the right place for them? Is it really not doing the emotional work to actually understand why they're choosing a place or why that place makes sense? Is it that they're looking at places that because they think they're popular? Like, what's the, what what are you seeing, or at least what are some of the trends, even if if you're not sure about the obstacles? I, I think one of the things that I notice a lot, which makes sense, is people go by what they've heard. You know what I mean? And so you only hear of like people don't hear about Qatar; they hear about Dubai. And so like you know, like everything is centered around Dubai. People don't hear about Vietnam; they hear about China. And then when they hear about China, they don't always hear about the differences. Like China geographically is about the size of the U.S., give or, you know, like a little smaller, but really close with way more people. And so when you start thinking about that, China is just as diverse as the U.S. Like New York and San Fran are very different. So Beijing and Shanghai are very different. And then middle of America is very different than, you know, big cities that exist. And so like people's ideas of things are very narrow in these very small things that they've seen. And then when they do go to do research, they forget. And this is something I talk to clients. I talk about on my clubhouse rooms is that your experience is uniquely yours wherever you go, whenever you go. So like where you go, when you go, who you go there through, what you're doing, because like my experience shifted and I heard you and Roxanne talk about this with the election of a new president. You know what I mean? Like that shifts like how things are looked at. Um, what may happen in that uh, the country you're in? Because while I was in Qatar, 
they started, there was a whole blockade that happened. And so like that shifted, like what Qatar was for me, for somebody who had left the year before me. And so there's all these ways where time, space, your employer, the friend network that you happen to like garner, change it. And so looking at, and I do, I encourage people, listen to things like Global Chatter, go onto YouTube, do blogs, do all of that, but never think that you know more about the place you're going to than the people who are there because you've done a lot of reading and writing and always reach out to people who are on the ground at that moment. Whenever that blog post posted is already stale by the time you're reading it. There's something about it that's no longer, even my interview with you, by the time it posts, there's parts of it that may be slightly different. And then if you're listening to it a year later, even who I am is different. And so kind of understanding that the information you're consuming happens and is stagnant. Talking to people who are there in the moment really give you a good sense and who are have similar life positions. I don't talk to married people about places I'm going. Why? I ain't married. And, like, and I'm not saying I won't talk to them, but like I, sp- I make sure I talk to somebody, a Black single female who's somewhere who wants partnership. I want partnership. What's that experience like? Because that may change how you feel about that location. I talk to black women who want to elevate in education because that's what I want to do. So like all of those things matter. And like, you can just talk like, I can talk to somebody like a Roxanne who's a photographer, but her experience is so different than mine that certain things we will relate to. But it's important to find people who are really aligned with you. And I don't think people think like that when they're starting that journey. And then don't think to like, well, if people go here, where else do people go? Like there are other options instead of just rabbit holing down the Portugal, the Dubai and the China is like there's a whole world of places that are open to you. I think that, you know, once again, you brought up Roxanne Munson's interview I did with. And I think you you both are both in that really strong vein of what is your experience looking like and who how how are you researching it and who who is kind of in the similar stage who probably can give you even the best information who is currently there. I think one of the challenges that we've seen with some of the social media groups, <laughs> and I see, because <laughs> for anybody who's been cre- cre- A, creating content, B, a Black expat or traveler, as C, been doing this for a minute, <laughs> it is like, <laughs> the it's like the, it's a love-hate, sometimes hate relationship with these because not only is it, ooh, that information is probably wrong or not relevant or your mileage may vary. It's also cyclical. So it's like, it just keeps, you keep going around the same mountain just with different players. And let's not even talk about people want to be influencers. But anyway, so like here, here's what I, I think is, is really fascinating is that you mentioned a couple places I know that have gotten hot um, you're in education. So if I take it out of education, one that I'm seeing really hot as well is Mexico, uh, for a variety of reasons, <laughs> which <laughs> y'all can't see her rolling her eyes right now. <laughs> Cause I, if you do this, there's just some stuff that just comes back around and it keeps coming back around and you're like, Oh, there it goes back around again. Um, I start to see some of this with Tanzania. You know, it, it started to kind of bubble up, <laughs> bubble up, but then it's sort of tempered. Um, is this why you started your brand in in part? I mean, obviously, as in as a 
as an educator, I, I am sure without even having you answering, but I am sure at least 10, 50, 11 people were asking you, oh, you abroad, you're an educator. How do I? So that's actually a lot of it. Some of it, like I say, is it was out of both my failure and my success. And so like, I realized, so part of it was also, so <laughs> I'm going to backtrack just a little, so just bear with me, bear with that's me. That's fine. I was working in China as an uh, academic affairs director. COVID hit, I was traveling, seeing the world. Cause this is, for me, I had a mentor when I was thinking about moving abroad who told me when you go abroad as an educator, you can do three. She's like, there you have three choices with money, but you can only do two and you have to pick which two. She said, mm. you can live lavishly. You can save or pay off debt and you can see the world. I said, I ain't never lived lavishly. Why start now? Let me get this <laughs> debt paid off and let me go right. see the world. So that's right. a big portion of why I did it. So I was traveling for Chinese New Year, got trapped out of China, ended up in the end losing my job. Very devastating. Now that actually was traumatic. I will own that because mm-hmm. it kind of was my dream job. I was stacking money. I was, you know, making influence and education in my mind. I was starting to support educators. And then it just kind of got stripped from me. I didn't even get to pack up my own apartment. So then I ended up taking a job in Kuwait. Y'all. So I thought, I thought that I knew what Kuwait would be like, because I lived in in Qatar. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) I thought I knew what I was signing up for. One of the lived in Doha and you were, yeah. Okay. I've lived in Doha. I've lived in the Middle East. I know the Gulf. I I, know what's up. I visited Dubai. Oh my body. Right. I'm good. (laughs) Kuwait, Kuwait, not just Kuwait, Kuwait during a pandemic was a whole ball of worms I was not ready for. After going through the trauma of losing my job, and I took a job there that was a backwards thing, backwards in pay, backwards in position, and backwards in respect. And so, Mm. but I'm glad I did because like I coach people way better now because I lost my job in China, because I got my job in China, because I lost my, not lost, I left my job in Qatar because I moved myself up while I was in Qatar. Because of all of those experiences, I've seen education so much in um, international world. I I can help you in a way that matters. So when I, I decided this, I can't do this. This school is trash. And it wasn't (laughs) trash in the same way that the Doha school was trash. Like that was a proper school, but the, the leaders were trash. Right. And I felt like I was getting worse as a human being, being there. And I was like, uh-uh, what you're not going to do is take my soul. So I right. quit. And I went back home. And this is why I love my family, because I ain't had no no real plan. And so I just was like, well, what do I, kind like, what might I be able to make money doing that I kind of do for free? And that's really how Worldwide Educator kind of birthed was like, I don't know what else I'm going to do. So let me just try this. You know? I'm here and COVID is happening. Yeah. COVID is <laughs> happening. You know, I can do some PD on a, on a zoom and you know, right. why not? You know, I can talk to and that. And when I started, I was just going to do professional development. Like it was really a post that I made. that got a lot of traction that started my real shift. Like, so I started just doing posts about things and people were always asking me like, how are you in a, like, how are you doing this? Like now I'm, a, I'm an assistant principal. I've been a director a couple of times. Like, yeah. How, how do you do that? What, what is it like? What are the jobs? Like, those are the questions I was getting. And those are the things I could schedule a meeting with you right now. And I could coach you through 
without and I didn't prepare anything. That's just right. You know, and I was like, well, why not monetize that? And why not start putting value on what I offer to the world? And Clubhouse was a big yeah. help in like me believing like that, like, like people come to my room every week. I still don't know why sometimes like I'm like, why y'all keep coming? <laughs> I ain't even like I don't even have the topic up for tomorrow. It's every Sunday morning. <laughs> and I'm like, mm, I'll figure it out. And people are still going to show up and still feel like there's value added into them. So I started to value what I had to offer in a monetary, in a way that actually makes money. Now, my job, I'll make a, I get rich doing this. So like, if that's what you're hearing, let me correct you. But like, I know that now if I'm going to meet with you, there should be a monetary value put on my time because I do have a large amount of content just living in my brain. Yeah, no. And I, I, it's so funny. Like, you you are a content creator, whether you saw yourself that as as one as, or not, and it is utterly hilarious when you finally realize maybe I should be monetizing this because I'm giving out way too. Not that I want to help people, but there's a lot of time and energy, and also you're paying for the training and the experience that I've had, and you're getting it in bite size, and you didn't have to go through the struggle. I had to go through the struggle to be able to even tell you how to avoid this, so you don't have to go through the struggle. And so it, it seems to me if I if I'm doing the math right based on kind of your story up to this point, as far as education is concerned abroad, you have been in four countries to, in in education. Am I doing that right? Qatar, yeah, mm-hmm. Kuwait, yes, China. I had, to, I had to do it myself. I was like, where have I been? Yes, Girl, <laughs> I'm, I'm so we yeah no we following you around mm-hmm. the world. Okay, so you are now. If people don't know, you are in the Cayman Islands, which. <laughs> I want to talk about this because first of all, you have a job, y'all. So she ain't she ain't permanently vacationing <laughs> at all. I go to work every day, every, every day. day. Every She's day. at work. <laughs> so, the, but this is this is what I do want to talk about. You know, there are places in the world that we have not separated. I think as individuals, where we think of vacation spots because that's where we aspire to vacation to, or we vacation to versus what it means to live there. I actually think that when you were telling your story a little bit about being in the Middle East, you know, when people saying they've been to Dubai or whatever, there's a difference in vacationing in Dubai or I personally, I like Abu Dhabi, right? Being in Abu Dhabi versus living in Abu Dhabi, right? Just like I think there's a difference between, oh, it's great. You took a photo in front of the, the Eiffel Tower, but then actually having to live in France and deal with French bureaucracy is different. You live in the Cayman Islands, and and this is a, a at this time a fairly recent move for you. You've been there for some time, but it's still a fairly recent move. What has been your experience, and what is different? Because now you are you are you are back in a predominantly black country. Let me get this right, kind of sort of. Yes, but my job isn't, and so that's a whole. Uh-huh. <clears throat> the country has so many black and brown people, and when I say brown, just because there's a, a high population yeah. of mixed race individuals as well, yeah. but. They look like us. Um, so like, it's a lot of people who, when I go to the grocery store, one, I can go to the grocery store and buy grow For my Black women, <laughs> you know what that means. That, 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 that means something. Sorry. Sorry. That's so funny. <laughs> okay, carry on. I, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I use grow very specifically because I think it shows how black it is. You know what I mean? Like, because do grow, you can't get even at grocery stores in the United States. Right. 
So, um, and and I walk places and I, I I'm very much a firm just in, in views of looking at people. Like there are so mm-hmm. many people who look like me. And then I go to work. And I'm the highest ranking black person at my school. Not saying that as a toot, not saying that as a brag, saying it as a simple fact. I'm an assistant principal at a school that's predominantly white in a country that is not predominantly white with a bunch of white people with a bunch of white money. Like you're not talking about, and, and I don't mean it like that, but like these are a fool and I love them. Like I, I love my parents. I talk to them and, and all of that. And it is no love lost, but that was a reality shift for me. Cause I had worked in Chicago, in Detroit, in the Middle East and in China with populations whether they were brown like me, they were brown, you know? And so that's been a, a big adjustment. But I mean, I I walk down the street and like, I know I can find somebody to do my hair. I know that like this morning, my, my braids were itching because, you know, I got in braids, y'all. And the, Same. the African pride <laughs> that I was putting in for like cleansing my scalp, I bought on island. I didn't have to Same. import it. I didn't have to... <laughs> You know, black women, we have a whole bag that's just dedicated to our hair. Right. I'm going on a trip and I'm thinking, ooh, how do I have to take everything? <laughs> and and not really because my hair, my hair is braided too. So it's not as much as I would normally take. But yeah, yeah, I got you. And if y'all see my picture, I got a big curly mane of hair. Like, right. you know, like right. that's work. And so to know, like, I remember my principal in interviews, we talk about this with candidates who look like me. They ask me, what's my favorite part? I tell them the do grow. And then I, and then he goes on that when I first got out of quarantine, he took me to what's equivalent to like a Costco, like a large bulk supply store. We just walk in buying stuff. And I literally stop and scream. I'm like, they got my hair care products. And not just at the grocery store, this is a bulk store. So I got my big old Camille Rose. um, Yeah, I was I was I was in heaven. And so and then being able to like find coworkers, like so I started initiative with my teacher assistants where I'm doing coaching and support for them. And they all look like me and having them Mm. be able to one, see somebody who looks like them leading them has been just so powerful, but it's they don't know how much power it's been to have them come and tell me how much they appreciate me, how much I've learned from the work that they do, um, from seeing them and like that humanizing of what they do. Because most of the people who are Black at my school are at very assistant level, you know, mm-hmm. very like the intro level. And we have one Black teacher and one Black administrator. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. And so being able to be able to like pour into people, which is part of what I love about Worldwide Educator is that, I mean, I will help anybody, but to be able to sit in a client tell me, my mom was worried about me going abroad. She feels comfortable because I'm getting coached from you. Mm. That like, yeah. brings, that that means something to me that like, her dreams of going become just a little bit easier just because I exist. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I mean, there's real, there's a lot of power in the things that you're saying. I mean, I know that we're laughing about the hair care, but that, that is a very real cultural thing. I mean, just like food is a real cultural thing. Just like 
faith and spirituality is a real cultural thing that for people to feel like they are part of a community and to feel like they're not so much the other, it's those little things that you can find that make you go, oh, either my people are here or at least they acknowledge some of my people are here and and there are ways for me to get the resources and the tools I need for me to be comfortable here. How is it? And and, and you've touched on something I don't think um, we've delved into enough, kind of the class disparity. I mean, I would imagine, this is me imagining, I have not been to the Cayman Islands, but we we do know that there is some wealth with at least people who call that their first or second home, right? And so, and you have worked in international schools, so I, I would imagine you have some comfort in terms of dealing with various class, class disparities, just because, as you and I know, international schools tend to attract the more wealthy, the more elite, the more expat in, an, in, an, in a country. Does that look any different in the Cayman Islands? Is, is it, because there's some places where there's, let me put it this way. There's some places where people have money and then there's some places where there are people who have, <laughs> like, <laughs> once again, what I saw in Doha, I have yet to see really, truly rival anywhere else. And until you have experienced that, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the comparison is. So I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? So there's definitely a lot of similarities, but some big staunch differences in like Doha and here because they both got money. Like the like, yeah, my school, the people that I work with, and so you're talking about people who make real money. So like you're talking about people. There's one family who because the student gets additional support, one on one support, they pay for that out of pocket. They're spending what's close to a hundred thousand USD for school annually. Yep. <laughs> Full stop. Let's let's just yep. stop right there. That's yep. what they're doing. And own a business, doing very well. And don't think much of it. Like, you know, um, yeah. And I have to remind myself sometimes of like that. And so like that impacts why. And so our school does have so I'll tell you this story, and this will kind of make it hit home. A friend of a friend got me linked up with this Jamaican guy who lives out here. Who? Girl, he's fine. Mm. Anyway, so I like hanging out with him. So his friend was there and his friend was like, oh, what do you do? And I stopped like, I stopped telling people I was an assistant principal. I didn't really like the like, ooh, like I ain't nobody special. I'm just another, I'm just another person trying to make it like that. Like, like that's who I am like out here. So I sometimes avoid saying that. So I'll just say I'm an educator because I am that like, that's my heart. Yeah. And so he kind of starts asking more detailed questions. I said, okay, I have to kind of say, I was like, well, I'm an assistant principal. He goes, an assistant principal at that school? I was like, mm-hmm. He's like, they hired, like he repeated it like I didn't understand. Like <laughs> They hire a black assistant principal? I said, yes. He's like, I've never heard of that. <laughs> and I said, well, Now you're looking at one. <laughs> I said, I got my ID in the car. He's like, you ain't got to show me your ID, but I just find it hard to believe that school. And so... And I'm, I'm using that example to kind of exemplify. Now, my school is really trying to do work. So I'm not trying to bash because I think my school is yeah. awesome and amazing. We're doing a lot of work, but yeah. we have a lot of work to do. <laughs> like, yeah. They're yeah, like, but they're willing to do it. Like my interview process is a reflection. Like they found me. I didn't find this school. They found me. And this is why I work with people on their resumes is because my resume is what got me here. You know what I mean? My resume 
showed up first and to the point where somebody's like, oh, let's actually talk to her. And then I did the work after that. But I know how to interview. And that's another thing I support people with. Because, girl, some of these people in these interviews, I'd be like, you don't know that you shouldn't say that? (laughs) As someone who works in higher ed and specifically career services, yes, (laughs) I do believe that there are people who don't know what they're doing. Like, see it every day. (laughs) I'm just like, oh, that's. And like, I look at the resumes that people who look like me share, and I'm just like, it's not 1992, boo. Like, why are we using a Microsoft Word template? Like, I don't understand. Right. But anyway. <laughs> um, That's an aside, but yes. <laughs> there's definitely a big class thing there. And there's, uh, and with class, which I think is a similarity, in paid education also, there becomes this idea of servitude that looks different. And so when I say that is like, I, I'm your servant. I ain't nobody's servant. I'm sorry. My ancestors paid them dues. No, Mm-mm. no. Um, that comes with people who have money and feel like they can pay for things. And so I do think that that's interesting. Now, it's not nearly as strong as what they do it because in Catra, they really think they can pay for everything. No, for real. <laughs> everything. For real. <laughs> For real. Like, it's that almost, air you're breathing, they think they paid for it. For it's you. almost amazing to watch it at play. Actually, sometimes I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> I wouldn't have. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's a little, it's probably a little bit more chill because I don't think it'll ever be. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> That's like on the, uh, I, I bought this, I bought you, and I bought this situation. Right. You will never, this, ever. Like I said, this air you're breathing, I pay for that too, sis. <laughs> right. Right. Including how you in this country. So let's not, let's not even. <laughs> right. And, and, and so I don't get that air from it, but there are ways that there's entitlement that sometimes you feel. And sometimes they're right because they are paying for the education, right? Like <laughs> right. they do pay your salary. It's not like tax dollars pay for, you know, that's a very different like thing. Like <laughs> right. everybody pay, like you pay for yourself to some degree as a right. public educator. That's not the same as and then when you're spending 30 40 50 dollars <laughs> you know what what you want <laughs> yeah and, and, and funny enough that parent who spends all that money actually makes the least demands they're like the least demand right like they're <laughs> like oh no we believe you let's just work together and then some of the ones where you like you know you you ain't get your report card because you didn't pay that fee that's why you didn't get it that parent is complaining but you know. <laughs> Because you're in the Caribbean, I asked this of Dr. Sheree Watkins, who she's over, she's in higher ed, oversees uh, mental health counseling at the American University of Caribbean. But I want to ask you this question. You know, once again, Cayman Islands looks attractive to people. What's the reality of day-to-day of living on an island? Once again, it's not vacation for you, and you've already said that, but for folks who are just thinking, oh, I want to get a job on an island, what are maybe just some of the general challenges so that people are very aware in making those decisions? or at least the ones that you've experienced? Well, this island specifically is very expensive. So this isn't just an island in the Caribbean. For the glitz and for the glamour, for what everybody's heard about it, it makes it's very expensive. So like this is considered a resort island and not just an island. So that means if I want to buy fresh strawberries, I'm spending 10 to 12 USD. I'm not talking about no big thing. I'm talking about that little, little container that you buy And that, you know, so in things like that, it also means sourcing things is difficult. So this island does not have an H&M, 
a Fever 21, a Zara, anything. The only things that are chains that we have are like not even restaurants. So there's no Fridays. There's no Applebee's. None of that. The most you got is a Wendy's, a McDonald's. In a KFC because KFC is KFC is everywhere. I don't understand. I don't understand. Not a Chick Fil A, not a Popeyes, not a Bojangles. Oh, we do have a Popeyes. We do. Oh, because you know we got one. But you know that's because we season, and you know I'm in a country that seasons food. So, so. wow. Okay. So yeah. So basically, it's expensive. I mean, let's just. I mean, I think a lot of islands are expensive, but it's probably on the top end of. The islands. I think it's the second most expensive country in the world next to Singapore. So that that just gives oh, wow. some, some context to it. everything is expensive. Like gas is not actually I don't even know because I've never seen gas written this way. <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> I go to the gas station. I just fill up the tank. <laughs> right. And, and the amount it costs to fill up my little Honda fit seems reasonable. But I really don't know because the prices are one in Caymanian dollars, but they're not like the number is like 5,000. I was like, what happened to 91, 93? Like, I don't know what 5,000 means. And so and you got a Honda fit. I mean, I drive a big old SUV because I'm in the South. <laughs> so you saying that I'm like, I know gas will be like <laughs> way more. Um, and so, oh my goodness. So as we start to wrap up, this is this is the questions I just kind of want to kind of leave people with, or at least your responses. So, what exactly, if someone wants to get in contact with you, what exactly can they expect to work with Worldwide Educator, and and where can they find you? So the best way, if you're talking about social media, is Instagram um, at Worldwide Educator. One word, no dots, no spaces, no dashes, none of that. Just Worldwide Educator, or you can email me info at WorldwideEducator.org. Um, the site, if you go to it, you can go to it. It's under kind of reconstruction because I'm going through rebranding of like actually what I do versus just a site that was about Adrian before. So what you can expect is kind of what you're getting now, like you're going to get the real and I'm, I'm going to not just because I've, I spend a lot of time, like I have a series called the recruiter roundup. So I talk to the different recruiters who are here. So you're not just going to be getting from my experience. I also, we lead the weekly chats on clubhouse, which have garnered me a lot of information that I take notes on and things like that. So you're getting not just my breadth of different experiences, but like my interactions with others and understanding that your situation is unique. You're not going to get me to tell you, you have to do it this way. We're going to work together to figure out what way works for you in your situation. And some of that, I do that through sending Google Forms. If you're talking about a resume makeover, I'm going to send you a form about what are your goals? Who are you? What do you want? What's your resume look like now? If you just want to go abroad, I'm going to send you a Take Your Talents Abroad survey to find out what is it that you're looking for. And it'll ask questions like, What's your openness to a place with limited internet? What's your openness to a place without access to the products you're familiar with? Like questions that are not just like that take me beyond what you think you want versus like you actually saying like, these are countries that offer this to you. Like what's your biggest thing? Like what are the things you want? Which of these is the most important? Because if you tell me you're a black person and your biggest thing is your bag, I'm going to tell you China, you need to be open to. 
And it's just it's just a reality. Now, what I'll also say is if you don't want to do that, you have other options. But no, if you want the biggest bang for your buck and have the most options, it's probably a place you should at least have on your radar. So I'll coach you through openness to places that you may not have been open to. I'll put you in contact with people who could help you who are because I have not lived everywhere. And and as I said, you need to talk to people who are there or get you into groups that are there like and be able to respond and with your resume. I don't want to redo it for you. I want to show you how to do it for yourself because I don't want you to need me. Like I could set it up and I could do it for you and I could charge you whatever. And then in two years, when you have a new job, you're going to be contacting me again. I don't want that. I'm an educator. I believe in coaching you so that you will always have those skills. And what you learn through coaching with the resume, you can implement into your interview. And then I can coach you through that. Like there should be a connection between those things. And how do you speak to what's on your resume and putting it into your interview? So Adrian, I have appreciated the wisdom you have and your humor, actually, <laughs> that you have dropped. Um, you, like I, I do with every guest, I am going to make sure that your contact information is available because people need to get in contact with you. And in fact, I think I have a couple of clients I need to refer to. So that's a whole nother story. We double that off air. Uh, but <laughs> Adrian, who is with Worldwide Educator, as, as I said, all of her social media is going to be in the show notes. It will be on the Global Chatter website. If you follow the Black Expat as well, that's where everything will be. Adrian, thank you for coming on the show. Amanda, you've been great. I've had so much fun. Thank you. Just thank you. And keep doing this because this platform means a lot. Thank you. I, it does, but I, it's only as great as the people who come on it. And I've just had some amazing black and brown folks just share their stories. And you are now added to the canon. You've just listened to an episode of The Global Chatter, which is hosted by me, Amanda Bates. It is edited by Stephanie Ficcio. Don't forget to subscribe to The Global Chatter on your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow us on Instagram at The Global Chatter or stop by Twitter and find us at Global Chat Pod. If you have a question, want to subscribe to the newsletter, or are interested in sponsoring, visit theglobalchatter.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.